Welcome to the Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. Well, it's so good to have you with us. As you know, today we are celebrating Windrush Sunday, it's something we've believed in and done as a church for a while, and we um, we just want to give massive thanks um, to God for the, the diversity in this room, for the fact that out of many, God is making us into one. And that's part of the story of the gospel. And without that, there is no gospel. That's what it means to be a Christian, is your life is being reconciled to God and to others around you. And part of that is as a story, as a, a story we're living in as a church, we believe in going back through the stories and actually celebrating and giving thanks for the bits, even when they've been hard. And that's part of what we're doing today. And I'm really, really grateful that our guest joining us this morning is an absolute legend. She has, well, I'll say a bit about the Kingdom Choir first, because chances are you've seen the Kingdom Choir. They have sung all over the planet with the most extraordinary lineup of people from Elton John to Nelson Mandela to the Spice Girls. Hello. Um, any Spice Girls fans out there? Um, but of course, it was their song at the royal wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle that catapulted them to worldwide fame. Their performance was watched by a staggering two billion people at the time. That is one in four people on the planet. Isn't that amazing? That that song has probably been heard and seen in that performance by more people alive than perhaps any other in one moment. The Kingdom Choir was founded and is led by an extraordinary woman who's been described as Britain's godmother of gospel. She hates that description, but it's true. And we are hugely honoured to have with us today the one and only Karen Gibson, MBE. Come on, Karen. So good to have you here. Oh, it's a treat. Come and sit in the middle. Karen, how are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. Nice to be here. It's good, isn't it? My first time in the service. Yeah, it's great. Oh, we're Thank really you. grateful for you for coming. And um, we're going to take a few minutes just to chat through your story and okay. some good things. Sure. Um, like, let's start with like your backstory. I mean, the choir is crazy, right? The choir is? Crazy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what you mean. Is that a good crazy or a bad crazy? A good crazy. Yeah, a good crazy, yeah. There's definitely a question in there, okay. <laughs> which is, I guess, tell us a little bit how the story and the, the choir came about, the yeah. name for it. Yeah. Bring us up to scratch. Okay, yeah. so um, it's a good, it's about 30 years ago now, wow. nearly 30 years, I think, but... Hang on a minute. I am 30 years old. <laughs> what, what date? Was Naomi born? <laughs> We're establish this. Do you know the time of year that the choir began? No. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Because actually the choir was a, a, was a thing before it was mm -hmm. an, an actual established choir. Amazing. So I used to be, I was born uh, in Wimbledon uh, and went to church in Tooting. And the church called yeah. Church of God of Prophecy. Mm. And the Church of God of Prophecy is London-wide, it's England-wide, it's worldwide. Its headquarters are in the US. Anyway, we had a London-wide choir, and it was led by a very talented young man that some of you might know by the name of Noel Robinson. Oh, anyway, yeah? Oh, yeah, so we go back away. <laughs> so um, Noel got my sister and myself involved in this, in this choir, but he was headhunted by the BBC to um, MD a radio show, a gospel radio show called The Gospel Train. And um, this program would just go into churches and uh, record the churches of black majority churches. Yeah. 
And of course, the black majority churches would have choirs. And so then Noel got me in to kind of bring the, whip the choirs into shape. <laughs> and so that's how I started with that. But I would also bring in members of this, of the Church of God of Prophecy. And after a while of doing this, we got a call from Songs of Praise. And they said, we've heard of your choir. Will you sing for our 35th birthday? And I said, yes, that's lovely. And the producer said, what's your name? But we didn't have a name because we were always a host choir. So she said, I'm going to call you back tomorrow. Have a name by then. So No pressure. No pressure whatsoever. Anyway, that night when I went to sleep, I dreamt of the name, the Kingdom Choir. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't like it. I could not think of anything else for the life of me. So when she called back the next day, like she said she was, um, she said, what's the name of the choir? The Kingdom Choir. That, that's all I could think of. Yeah. So that's when we became an entity. Wow. Like, that's the background. But we're born out of the Church of God of Prophecy. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. So tell us a bit about the vision behind the choir. Because it's not an ordinary choir. This is a choir with heart and passion and worship like just tell us a bit about your vision for what the choir is trying to do okay I'm going to be absolutely honest and say when the choir started I, I wouldn't say that I had a vision for it because I had to just create it you know it was always Noel said bring these people or you know songs of praise said what's your name so it was never me I didn't even I didn't even give it the name so it was never me and the um I feel that the vision came about much later so I ran the choir for a number of years. But in 2008, I was called to go to Bethel Church. I didn't know what it was about. If I had known, I think I would have stayed right where I was. Okay. But, <laughs> yeah, because, it, you know, it was, it, it was this, it was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, nobody, hardly anybody looked like me. Yeah. And the people who were there, and there's quite a lot of people, um, were half my age. And they were from middle America. So I, I would not have gone. But I thank God that he called me there. And that how I got there is another miracle. Another story for another day. But anyway, what this place did was really so into me what the kingdom meant. Yeah. What is the kingdom? How do we do kingdom living? And also a sense of identity and what we were here to do on this earth. So they, they do teach you that actually you are a world changer. You are meant to change the world. You have a sphere of influence. And wherever you have in your hand, you use that for the Lord. So I, I took that literally. <laughs> and so I would teach the, the, the choir accordingly. So I came back in 2009. The original Kingdom Choir had fizzled out because I, I couldn't, I had no headspace for what I was doing before because I had changed internally. Fast forward to 2013. Um, I was leading, I was helping to lead an encounter night in my home. Encounter night was brought about by another young man who also went to Bethel. And he had the foresight to understand that those people who went to Bethel after me, because there was a load, there was James, there was Charlene, there was Junior, there was Faria, a load of people went. And James understood that when we came back, we're going to need a space. So we started off an encounter night, and one night during um, worship, I heard the words in my ear, see a choir here? And I was like, no, 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 it's just me. 
but I couldn't get away from the thought. So I started the Kingdom Choir up again with people half my age and, and some of my peers. Amazing. So, you know, we, a lot of us had the DNA, the, the yeah. DNA of Bethel, to be, to be fair, but we're all on the same page. And it's all about worship and all about releasing the kingdom. Oh, come on. So, so Nye and I were chatting earlier. We were. And like Nye would quite like to join the choir. Yeah, I'm looking for a job change. Would you, <laughs> would you ever consider auditioning Nye? I would, cons- I would consider, I would actually consider, because I heard her singing rather loudly next would to I, me, I have would to I say. Have, would, <laughs> would I have a chance as well? Um, no. <laughs> Orcs. <laughs> I think if I am right that we actually have like a special virtual performance of one of the songs that you guys put together, which is Blinded by Your Grace. Um, And so I would love us all to turn and watch that. It's so powerful. Oh, thank you. Lol. I'd love us to watch it. There we go. Start it off. Oh, there we go. Phenomenal. Let's give it up for the Kingdom Choir. 
I was ready. I was ready with the rap. One time for the Lord. Oh, no rap. One time for the chords. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's talk about creative leadership. So you have worked with some of the greats, Elton John, Nicky Brown. <laughs> yes. I mean, it doesn't get any bigger than that. Let's talk about how you lead in a space which isn't always aligned with the values that you've talked about. Yeah. I think um, the first thing is, is that you, you have to know who you are. Yeah. And, and that is, and, and you have to keep revisiting that. You have to come back to that. And you have to repeat it, not only to yourself, but to those who are. We have to keep reminding ourselves. You know, Paul, in the Bible, there's a scripture where he says, I just want to remind you, I just want to stir up your remembrance, because we are human and we will forget. And, and of course, this space, as you say, is not always in, a, in alignment. And it could look very glitzy. It could look very attractive. But we are very clear that some of those values are not ours. And we're very clear about what we want to do and how we want to influence this sphere as much as we possibly can. Yeah. So talk about like, how you work with difficult people. You know, you're, you're in an environment where like, people say, oh, Carol, we love you and the choir to come and do this. Um, and that must happen the whole time. Like, what, what, like maybe the people watching now, watching online, who are thinking, well, in my workplace, I sometimes have to like, make decisions. How do you marry your creativity, your integrity, and your leadership? Ooh, that's a big question. Um, I do think everything by prayer. And as I say, remembering who you are and what you're here to do. Amazing. And sometimes you do have to push back and say, well, we would like to do this and we would like to do that because we understand that we are a gospel choir, mostly a black gospel choir in a space that doesn't always understand what gospel choirs are or what they're here to do. And so sometimes it's teaching and sometimes it's complying. Sometimes it's like, okay, there's something in the choir that we say and it is hold everything lightly. Yeah. If you hold things too tightly, you're likely to get hurt. Wow. If you're going to be too rigid or too brittle, you're likely to break. So it's knowing when, actually, you let some things go. Yeah. And, and also recognizing that God can work in the things that you think are appalling <laughs> or, you know, things that you are not in agreement. God can really turn things around. And, and a big example of that is actually the royal wedding where... They, we didn't choose the songs. We did not choose to sing uh, Stand By Me. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know if, if you know that we sung a second song as well. And it was a medley. And it was uh, Amen and This Little Light of Mine. Mm -hmm. Well, when I heard that that's what they wanted, I was horrified. Because you know, that's a song that you would teach in, in schools. It's one that I knew from my childhood. It's one that, you know, often people who don't know the gospel arena, they'll revert to that. Right. But of course, we are the, we're the artists, right? So we know what the, the gospel, you know, uh, looks like, what gospel music looks like and how varied it is. So I, you know, I, I, I wanted to be able to grandstand a little bit. I wanted to be able to show off a little bit. I mean, we can do this and we can it's do an that. Honest we, can sing, yeah, <laughs> we can sing in four-part harmony and we can, we can do all of this. Uh, uh, but no, they, this is what they wanted. And they wanted it very simple. Yeah. Which again, I, I was horrified at. Yeah. No trills, yeah. no runs. Yeah, I was outrageous. Yes. So can we just like, can we back up a bit here? Yes, like, please. I, I get this is an issue, like the royal, you know, like 
but but how do you get to sing to like one in four people on the planet? How does that? How did it, what happens? Yeah. The phone call. I mean, like, how did it work out? Yeah, well, how did you get to sing at the royal wedding? It's out of the blue, and it was um, from a young lady who used to be in the choir about ten years before, and she rang me up one day and she said, "Hi, Karen," and we did the chit chat thing, and then she said, "I suppose you're wondering why I'm going to call you," and I said, "Well, yes," and uh, she said, "Well." You're going to get a call, Karen, and uh, it's going to be big, but I can't tell you what it's about. And that was the call. <laughs> so it was a call. It was a pre-call. Was this like a prophetic word, or did she know that? No, it wasn't a prophetic word. Okay. <laughs> no. Word of knowledge. <laughs> so basically, she was friends with somebody who worked for Prince Charles. That's how it worked. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, there are so many questions, and I think one of the things that I really love about you is you have such a clear um, desire to just witness yeah. to your faith. Um, it just seems to sow through so naturally everything that you do. What did witnessing in that space look like for you? What was, what was carrying something of God into that space? How did that process work? Well, we prayed a lot before. Yeah. And we actually found out that Stand By Me it's not just a pop song. Actually, it started out as a spiritual and no it's based way. on Psalm 46. So that was very helpful It's very helpful for us, uh, church girls. Um, but we really were very intentional about praying, about what we were doing, about the people we reach, about the, about the sound waves, that so we prayed that the, that the Spirit of God would be carried down the sound waves. Wow. We had an opportunity to sound check in the chapel before the wedding and we went around everywhere. We anointed the walls, wow. the chairs, braiding every part that we could get to. So that's what that looked like. So, and, and the wedding we've all seen on telly um, and I've got a clip for it in a moment, but um, like, who did you meet? Who did you chat to? What was it like? <laughs> Tell us we have, we have what really happened. Um, Naomi's doing like Guardian highbrow. I'm basically Daily Mail, right-hand column. <laughs> a lot of the people we didn't get to meet because, you know, we were in the green room back, mm. backstage and we saw Idris Elba and all the stars. In fact, I think I was getting ready. I didn't see most of them, but um, a lot of the choir were watching them as they came in. I don't know if you saw any Robin. This, this is Robin. She's also in, in the choir. Did you see? I can't hear you. Talk up. That's right. So to, we met Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy actually kissed me on my cheek. I haven't <laughs> watched it since. Watched. <laughs> I love Tom Hardy. But he, he came up. I think, yeah, it was an amazing time. It's beautiful. And, and Prince Charles, as he passed, he did nod, nod his thanks as he passed by. And I think Meghan did as well, and, and Harry, as they looked up, because we were at the back of the church yeah. as they were going out. So... So I think we have a little clip just to remind us all of the royal wedding. Have a little look at this. So darling, darling, stand by me. Stand by me. Yeah. Stand by me. Stand by me. Stand by me.
Karen, in 2020, you were appointed MBE in recognitions of your service to the music industry and the work you do. But it's fair to say that the story of your family hasn't always been one of acceptance and welcome. Just say a bit about your story to where you sit today, your background. So my mum is part of the Windrush generation, obviously. She came here in 1962, and she was brought up an Anglican. So, of course, when she came, things were not easy, but, you know, you find safety in the church, don't you? So she looked for a church to visit, and she was visiting this church, I think, for a couple of weeks, until a few weeks in, the vicar, who would stand at at the door and greet people as they went out. He greeted my mum and said, thank you so much for coming, but please don't come back. And um, this is not an isolated story. I understand that a number of people went through this. And so uh, I think after that, well, she didn't go back. And um, and, and apparently he gave the the excuse that the, the parishioners wouldn't really like it. Anyway, she made friends with a a Jamaican lady and this Jamaican lady uh, invited her to church and mum's there till this day. Church of God of Prophecy. Yeah. I mean, it is heartbreaking to hear that story because it's a story of, won't just be your family story, but story for many, many people. And um, just tell us a little bit about, fast forward from that time 70 odd years ago. Yeah. I mean, what, what your story has been like as a family I mean has it has it like you've made a home you felt I mean you've got an MBE it's it's come a long way but I imagine there's been moments when it's felt hard yeah it's it's not easy but I think what I would say that we were taught my generation anyway um, was that you actually work hard you do what you've got to do get your piece of paper make sure that you are qualified, make sure that you are able to earn a a living. Um, But the the thread of, you know, discrimination runs throughout your your whole life. And sometimes you're shut down to it, actually, because you're so used to this aggression or this microaggression, you're so used to the comments that actually, I, I'm going to be honest and say that I've never had any kind of overt, no name calling um, at school or on the roads. Never. But there's a thread that runs through uh, education. There's a thread that work, runs through the workplace. There's a thread, and often you want to just pass it off. It's it's just a coincidence. That's not what they meant, or that's not what's happening here. But I, I think I really woke up in the aftermath of George Floyd and realised actually this this. This is not right. It's not, it's not okay. This is what's been happening over and over and over again. So it's, it, hasn't been, it hasn't been easy. So 70 years ago, your mother walks into an Anglican church as an Anglican, and the vicar turns her away. Yeah. And um, we, as a church, I know all of us feel shocked, and, but, but I guess some... Um, that's a live reality for for a lot of people in yeah. that generation, yeah. and I look back with with real shame at that, and also real um, kind of encouragement for us all to build the kind of future where people aren't turned away. Yeah. And I hope it's all right. We've actually got your mum here today, yeah. and I don't know if you're up with this, but Natalie, can we? 
give you a welcome. And I hope it's a different kind of welcome that you received in your first Church of England church 70 years ago. But why don't we welcome um, Natalie up. Try not to cry. It's right. Yep, yep, I'm right there with you. <laughs> this could be a great interview. Um, what an honour to have you here, Natalie. And um, we've heard about your daughter. She's amazing. But we probably suspect, well, we all know the secret to an amazing daughter is an amazing mum. And um, we, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your story and what God's done in your life. And we're going to bring a microphone up for you as well. Um, thanks so much. Tell us a, a little bit of your story over the last 70 years, what, what life looks like. You've had awards, you've been recognised by the Archbishop of Canterbury, you've led, I, mean, I think you're really a bishop, um, or an archbishop <laughs> at least. But tell us what God has done in the, in the years that you've been here. He has done wonderful things, many things that I am pleased of today. Yeah. Um, they weren't easy. Mm. <laughs> There's nothing called easy, but I realized what was happening in one's life and how you will have to get through. Um, my mother always used to say, you look for the real thing. It's not on top, it's underneath. And so you look and you will find it there and do it, live with it as best as you can to get on top of it. Because if you don't do that, you won't get anywhere. You will stay there, which I didn't want to do. And so that's how I made it, made life. And um, when you meet good things, you accept them. Um, if you, when you meet bad things, you just, um, you know, talk over and try to make it simple and bring it down and let the person or the thing see the good in you. Yeah. There was a moment earlier um, as I was coming down the stairs where I snuck my head round and went, hello, and I said, what's your name? And you said, Natalie, and I went, my grandma would not have me call you Natalie. It feels very appropriate, so for now, your grandma number three. So, so grandma. Um, we are, like, like, West Indian culture is so much about resilience and perseverance, and it strikes me how much that lines up with the gospel. Um, it strikes me how much, like, just the, that example of, of walking through and pushing through and clinging onto the faithfulness of God. I guess I would ask you, in those moments where it's been the church that's turned you away, in those moments um, where, you know, as Michelle Obama says, when they go low, we go high. Like, like what's enabled you to, to keep going? What's enabled you to, to keep showing faith and hope? I know that you went back to that church. Oh. Could you perhaps tell us a little bit oh, about yes. that? 
And then, because it's, it's what you've got to remember, that person that said that to you yeah. will not be there when you return. Mm. And so you'll be able to deal with it much easier, much better, and then it becomes a flaw, you know, and just make a joke of it, because you see. Can I, can can I jump, jump in, in and tell the story? I'm going to tell the story of when we met the vicar at the church. So, um, that same church that mum was refused from, many years later I was running um, a community choir, a community gospel choir around the area that I lived. So we were still in Battersea and um, I was going to a church just to check it out and see if it would work for the, um, the concert that we were going to have. So on the day that I was going to go, mum was with me and I said to mum, mum, do you want to come with me to this church? And she was going to wait in the car. She normally waits in the car, but I really wanted her to come with me inside the church. I'm not sure why. I think it's because people really love mum, as I could see from the response um, that she got. Um, so we were walking up to this church to go and meet this vicar. And um, as we're walking, mum said, this is the church that they told me not to come back to. And I said... Is this the church, mum? You never told me this is a church. How come you never told me that before? So anyway, we get into the church and um, I'm shocked because, of course, this church I've known for many years. And as we walk in, the vicar is a woman, a woman in her 40s. She's young, she's trendy, she's wearing shorts. And we start to make um, small talk. And... Um, I, I mentioned to her that this was the church that mum used to come to. And she looked at mum, she goes, how, how was that for you? And mum, being mum, doesn't say much, but she just smiled wryly and looked down. And then the vicar, wide-eyed now, looked at me and she said, is that what's happening here? And I said, yes. And without a moment's thought, without batting an, uh, an eyelid, this vicar full of Jesus, falls to her feet wow. in front of mum and begs forgiveness. And yeah, it's amazing. It's an amazing moment. And uh, mum and I are shocked and we're trying to tell her, get up, get up. Um, but she makes the most impassioned um, uh, request for forgiveness. She's repenting in front of mum. And it was such a powerful moment. She's repenting for what her... Um, precedence did, or as, as if you, I'm not sure what the word is. Her pre, pre, what's the word? Predecessor. Thank you very much. Thank you. Predecessor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm wrecked out. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit more about racial justice. Um, you, as, as the choir, will find yourselves in different places, and that'll inspire people. Just talk a bit about creativity and justice, because what you do is trailblazing for some people. To say a bit about that. Yeah, I, I feel that um, as creators, we have something to say. We have something to give, uh, and we are clear about what God says. If you look through the, uh, the Bible, justice comes up over and over and over again. So it's something that we have to carry. So um, there's a few things. It's in the way that we deal with people. It's in the way that you speak. It's in knowing that actually this is what we're here to do. We're not here to fit into a box. We're not here to tick any boxes. But actually, as I say, the thing of identity is key. Knowing who you are, 
and what you're here to do. But the other thing that we would like to do um, is, in fact, we've already done it. We've started a foundation because we, we, you know, we believe in the power of creative confidence, where confidence is brought about through creativity, through, you know, imparting um, creative power to, well, essentially young people. We'll be working with young people initially, but we think it's going to get bigger than that. So, yeah. That's so cool. I think um, in you talking about the foundation, you're talking about young people. This is an all-in service. So we have got people from 11 to 90 sitting in this room. I guess every person is made in the image and likeness of God. What encouragement might you have for some of the young people who are sitting here when it comes to creativity or faith? What, what do you want to share with them today? I can only go by my experience. And what I would say is... Find what you love and do that. And even if nobody's looking, because I was doing choirs way before the royal wedding. You do it with heart and you do it with diligence and you do it with purpose. Mm. Understand why you are doing it and be intentional, Mm. okay? So, you know, people will see you, if you're leading, they'll see you as a a role model. Um, But I would also say, you know, what you... What do you, people leak who they are. So we are then, it's upon us then to make sure that the things that we are ingesting, the things that we are looking at, reading, listening to, all so into who we want to be on this earth. And I would also say, live as if you are leaving a legacy. Ooh, say it again. Okay. I can do. <laughs> live as if you are leaving a legacy. And that will cause you to think, what legacy do I want to leave mm, on this good. earth? When I'm gone, yeah. what will people say? What will they remember? And what will they feel? It's good. Thank you, Karen. Mm. So we're going to come into land in a moment. And um, in a moment, we're going to ask you for like one final encouragement. But um, uh, there's a question that we're all asking everybody right now that I'm going to ask you, Karen. Are you coming to focus? <laughs> <laughs> I actually am coming to focus. Yes! <laughs> Now, I know you're coming to focus because we're working on something yes. together, aren't we? With Nikki Brown and Kaz and the team. Yeah. But um, you're going to come and bring the choir. I am bringing the choir, yeah. Um, and we're going to do something special on the first night of focus. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. It's um, going to be incredible. It's going to be amazing. Martin Smith, you hold up, uh, Nikki Brown, our whole team. So if you haven't booked in for focus, <laughs> make sure you don't miss out. First night of focus is going to be absolutely amazing. We're so grateful that we get to see you, not just you back again, but you with the whole choir together. It's yes. going to be amazing. Nice. This has been such an encouragement and thank you so much, I guess, for just sharing from yourself. Um, like it speaks with such power and authority. Um, and I think if there is, you know, kind of a closing thought or encouragement that you might have for us, what would you like us to take away into our week? What would you like us to go from this place thinking about, reflecting on? Um, firstly, I would say that what, what you're doing here, just having this service and the way you're honouring your, your, your congregation is remarkable and I would just say keep keep pushing forward in that it struck me today that a lot of the initiatives Windrush initiatives are actually initiatives of repentance it's it's saying sorry for what has happened but we're going to make it better but it also occurred to me that there's no end to repentance because there's actually always things that we could be doing 
better. So I would just say what you're doing is amazing, but there's always, there's always more, always more. Natalie, final encouragement from you to all of us watching online, those in the room today. How do you want to encourage everybody? And good encouragement. Yes, what would you want to say? The things that got me through, Mm -hmm. for whatever situation, Mm -hmm. it's nothing you can't live through. Mm. All right. You can always live through anything if you just ask him. Natalie Gibson, Karen Gibson, thank you so much for joining us today. We've been so honoured to have you. You're back at six o'clock tonight. Yes, if you want to bring friends down for six o'clock, it's going to be great as well. But, and you can watch online as well at six live. So God bless you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. If you'd like to find out more, give or connect with us, visit our website, saint.church. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.